Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick, alongside the lovely Ashley Miller, coming at you as we do every Sunday morning from 10 until noon here on 1450 WXVW, the Sports Buzz. Talking all things in the world of sports, Ashley and I are both Louisville fans coming off a disappointing loss last night in the College Baseball World Series. Yeah. So unfortunately, Louisville was not able to end the streak that they've had where they've lost once they get into the College World Series. It's not over. They go into the loser's bracket, so there's still hope that they can be hot. Dan McDonald said after the game he feels better about this team this year than he did at this exact time last year. So there's a possibility they could get hot. They've got that pitching that you you always want, so they're always going to be in the games. Even last night, they, they they almost made it interesting at the end and unfortunately came out on the wrong end of the of the score against a, a very strong Vanderbilt team. The weekend sports buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Mm-hmm. From this past week, one of the, the topics we discussed last Sunday was Miss US, USA. Miss yes. USA. Mm-hmm. So, Miss Nevada. Miss Nevada won. What do you think of Miss Nevada? And what I've read a couple headlines. I haven't really got into the stories too much, but I've read that there's been a little bit of controversy after the Miss USA pageant. Uh, not only the Miss Indiana mm-hmm. was seen as being uh, more average size than the super thin uh, contestants normally are. What do you think of that? I see you rolling your eyes. <laughs> Well, first, um, to answer your first question, I think uh, Miss Nevada is gorgeous. And um, I honestly think that we may have another contender for Miss Universe, which would be awesome because we won it, I guess, two years ago with Olivia Culpo, and she was gorgeous also. Um, So I think that we do have a shot there. Um, Your second question was about Miss Indiana USA. Um, who has people have been saying she has a normal body size, um, regardless of how normal she may look. She's still probably actually I saw an interview of hers yesterday when I was eating breakfast and they said that she wears a size four. The average size of an American woman is a ten to fourteen. So, so she's still very thin. She's still very thin and but you're looking at her in comparison to the girls that are zeros. So she does look normal size. Um, so I think that that's always just a matter of perspective and who you're standing next to. Is that her? Let's see. No, no, that's uh, Miss Indiana from last year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because well, she's actually the one you're looking at now, sister to one of the girls competing in Miss Kentucky um, in a few weeks. Okay. So Miss Nevada won. You're very happy with the selection with Miss Nevada. Yeah. Yes, I am. Um, obviously, my favorite going in was, jeez, um, I just lost it oh louisiana she was my favorite going in she was still in the top five i'm happy about that i kind of anticipated nevada and louisiana being in the top two and it coming down to either one of them which i would have been fine with but um she was gorgeous um backstory to that uh, miss north dakota usa was first runner-up and she was first runner-up in miss teen usa so that has to be frustrating for her because that's rough to be so close each time and then not get it no question about it. Another big story in the world of sports. Actually, we have the U.S. Open going on. Martin Keimer, the German, is winning the U.S. Open. 
He uh, through 36 holes, he set the all-time record for the the U.S. Open. I believe he's 10 under right now. So unless unless a colossal just collapse occurs from Martin Keimer, we'll see a German win the U.S. Open um, today. So that that's something that a lot of fans are looking forward to. Possibly him just choking it away because that's the only way he could screw this up. Hmm. Uh, so if if it, barring a what is that huge Worth collapse, fans are looking for. Just, for him to mess up. <laughs> just me- memorable collapses is what people like to see a lot of times. Phil Mickelson's done it a lot in the past. A lot of people do it. you got a lot of pressure on you. He has been playing just ridiculously well through the first part of the U.S. Open, and he's just got to put together a solid round today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's he's 10 under, I believe, and the next guy's like something along the lines of 4 under, I believe. So, I mean, it's it's something where he would have to really choke this away to screw it up. Um Obviously, we're going to talk about the NBA. Obviously, we're going to talk Obviously. about that. We got... Um, Obviously, and somewhat unfortunately right now. We got the, the game five tonight at eight o'clock on ABC between the Spurs and the Heat. The game's in San Antonio. It is. The San Antonio Spurs have won in very convincing fashion the last two games, which are both in Miami. And the Spurs are on the verge of doing something that many people had written them off from being capable of, and that is winning the national championship. Well, a, a team's never came back from a three to one. And deficit. as LeBron James said yesterday, sometimes history is broken. It is the Boston Red Sox in two thousand four set you know made history in the ALCS. Right, Peter? ALCS against the Yankees where they, they came back and they won three in a row to um, to, to win and set set uh, the all-time record for, for that occurring. So history is made all the time. Mm-hmm. It does not look likely that the Heat will win. In my opinion, it doesn't look likely that they'll win today, but you don't know. Right. In, in this series, the, the home team doesn't necessarily seem to have a ton of of home court advantage. Right. The majority of the time in this series thus far, the home team loses. Well, is the air conditioning going to work today? Is the air conditioning <laughs> going to work today? I would love it if the air conditioning was out today. We'll see. I don't know that I would love it. That's mean of me to say. I don't wish those type of cramps on anyone. No. But we'll see. 8 o'clock tonight. So a lot of our, our show will revolve around Tim Duncan and the greatness that is the San Antonio Spurs. I think one of the big questions that I've heard a lot of people ask is if, hypothetically if, which I'm not anticipating, but if the Spurs were to win, um, will Tim Duncan retire? Great question. I want to encourage our listeners to give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line, 502-384-1450. If the Spurs win today, close things out, and you're Tim Duncan, you're 38 years old, do you retire? or I do. Do you call it a... a, a I think you go day? out on top. You you retire. You go out on top, yeah. Who's to say he couldn't come back next year and win it? We were saying this last year that no. Tim Duncan may be at the end of his, his career. Who's to say he doesn't come back next year and then tie guys like Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar well, with, I think with six titles and go down as... I, I'm not going to say greatest player ever, but not even in close. the... Co- I'll say close. Why not close? <laughs> no. Why not? I, you could say greatest center ever. Maybe. Or power forward. Power forward. I think he's yeah. already the greatest power forward ever. I'd give him that above greatest player ever. Because then you, you, you're you adding 
are you saying greatest player ever in terms of accolades, team accolades? Because then if you're talking about greatest player ever, you're pulling in Michael Jordan, True. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, like all of those people. I'm putting him in the same realm as Larry Bird and Magic Johnson right now. I'm saying that he is as good as Larry Johnson, uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson today. Better than Larry Johnson. Better than Grandma Ma. No, but better than Larry Bird, or as good as Larry Bird and Magic Johnson today. Is he as aesthetically pleasing to watch? I think that's what a lot of uh, our evaluation of players comes down to. Kobe Bryant has the identical game to Michael Jordan almost, and we all love to see fadeaway jump shots and just highlight real dunks. That's always exciting to watch. Tim Duncan, not so much. He's not Larry Bird with the fancy three-point shots or Magic Johnson with the no-look passes. But as far as effectiveness, you're a big you're a, a, a big post player mm-hmm. in college. You know the value. It, it's not always as you you your effectiveness at the college level mm-hmm. was probably. I would argue I didn't follow your career. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, unfortunately, probably undervalued to an extent compared to maybe someone who played shooting guard and was a little more flashy than you. Mm, you know what? I would say probably for sometimes it was because um, you were you were doing the grunt work. You were yeah, getting the rebounds, the rebounds and, and the putbacks and that type of thing. And um, but then you would look up and I had 20 points and my coach used to be like, you're the silent killer, Ashley. Like you don't like make a whole lot of noise. But then you look at the stats at the end of the game and you have been so productive. Um, and I think that's true of power forwards and centers because the ball's not in your hands primarily. So either you've got to rely on someone to give you the ball, like posting up, or maybe it's free throw line or something like that, or you have to make your own shots. And there's probably a lot of times where you would box someone out and one of your teammates got the rebound. Mm-hmm. And all sorts of things yeah. like that. I, I was always, a, you know, I'm 5'9", and as a, a male basketball player, I was never a big man. <laughs> Being realistic, I, I do see the value of anyone who has size, who is efficient, shoots a very high field goal percentage, alters shots on the defensive end. And I would say you with your rebounding and, and did you block shots? I mean, I've definitely blocked a few per game. Okay. A few per game? Yeah. Wow. Okay. But Tim Duncan, I would argue, is one of the more undervalued players in the history of the NBA. And I don't think there's any question about that. His... His performance in this finals, I think, is testament to that. He's probably not going to win the finals MVP if the Spurs win. I doubt it. Who do you think will win that? If the Spurs win? Well, well I, you know what? I'll take that back. Kawhi I, Leonard? I think Leonard has a chance, but I, it has, I honestly think it has to, be, has to be Leonard or Tim Duncan. Okay. Just thinking about, like, big picture and... Cause, and honestly, if he were to win that MVP, he definitely should go to the down. <laughs> so if you're Tim Duncan, do you risk injury next no. year? Do you come back and you make another run at it? We I were, would say no. I say you leave your legacy intact and retire. Let it be. We were having these exact same conversations. Exact same conversations about Tim Duncan last year. Exact same. He was done. He, was, he had a great Hall of Fame career. He was already... Ahead of Carl Malone is the greatest power forward in the history of the game. And 
it was time for him to hang things up. No reason to come back and risk injury. And yet, they put together just an amazing season. He plays a vital role in the efficiency and the teamwork mentality that is the San Antonio Spurs. And now it looks like they're going to win a title. What if he comes back and they three they win next year and then the, the year beyond that? Criminal yeah. Jabbar won it one one at well, forty. I think that sounds good. <laughs> it sounds good, but it I mean, sounds good. This is now two finals appearances in a row. You're right, but then you're also saying that they they would beat another Miami again. They'd beat an OKC that will would then be, be more tough. experienced. Yeah, so I don't I don't think so. So give us a call on the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln Buzz Line, 502-384-1450. Is it time for Tim Duncan to retire? The big fundamental, we're assuming for the sake of this question that he's going to win, that the Spurs are going to win, either tonight or in Game 6 or Game Mm 7, and close things out against the Heat, win Tim Duncan's fifth NBA title. He already leads the playoff history, the NBA playoff history, in minutes played, double-doubles, I believe rebounds. He's already one of the greatest players ever. Statistically, I think the only guy you can really compare him with is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Yep. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played for, I believe, 22 seasons. All-time leading scorer, rebounder in the history of the NBA. Also minutes played. That goes par for the course if you play that many years. So, is Tim Duncan underrated is my question. Is he... If he wins this title, can you consider him up there with Magic Johnson and Larry Bird? And if they win this year, should he go ahead and hang things up and say, it was a hell of a run, I won my five rings, I'm going to retire. I'm I'm done. I'm going to move on to the next venture of my life, even though I had a solid season this year. I don't want to risk injury. I want to go out on top. Like so, So many people are not able to go out on top. Michael Jordan did it twice, well, and then he comes back. Yeah, and he, yeah. he didn't end up going out on top. Yeah, and I think that's the, the potentially sad part, is that you don't want to see someone like Michael Jordan tarnish his legacy by coming back and playing on a terrible team and just really not having it anymore. Like, obviously, he still was still a good player, but he wasn't Michael Jordan by any means. For the Wizards. So, right, right, right. So, um I I say that you go out on top. You just let it be. Ride it out. We look at Shaq's career from 2000 to 2002. His Lakers three-peated. He won the finals MVP each of those three years. Great career. He won a title with the Miami Heat in 2006. And then he went on a a run from teams like the Phoenix Suns Mm -hmm. to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Mm -hmm. Boston Celtics, and then he he hung it up. Well, he was with Miami, too. He was with Miami before. So he went Magic, then the, the Lakers, then the Heat, where he did win a ring. He had success. And then the Suns, the Cavaliers, and the Celtics. The majority of fans out there are not going to remember Shaq for his times uh, with the the Suns, Cavaliers, or Celtics. Right. Did that tarnish his legacy? I mean, Shaq is still, he's still Shaq. And he's he's a big guy. He's still, he's still himself. Like, I think a lot of Shaq, obviously, he's really, really good. And um, Shaq was my, like, all-time favorite player growing really? up. Yeah, growing up. So my, um, like, I think we've talked about this before, like my loyalty is normally um, to a player, and then wherever that player goes, then I cheer for that team. So Shaquille O'Neal was that player. Like my fourth grade spring pictures, I have on like a Shaq Attack outfit. So like, it goes way back. Really? Yeah. Um, so I followed him from um, 
geez, the Orlando Magic to L.A. to And L.A. was the hardest for me ever because of Kobe Bryant, who I can't stand, um, and <laughs> and so on and so forth. But um, honestly, you would like to see even him, like, just retire before he has to deal with, like, all the, like, little nagging injuries that kept him out of game so often, like, the toe thing and foot stuff, like, you know, that's, um, that's kind of, uh. When, when evaluating greatness of players, which we like to do, I tried to do it earlier with mm-hmm. putting Tim Duncan in some lists that maybe you don't feel is warranted, it's tough because there's so many different angles at which you can quantify and evaluate these guys. Right. Who is greater, Shaq or Tim Duncan? I'm biased. In his prime, you could certainly <laughs> say prime, Shaq, Shaq was sure. the most dominant player maybe in the history of the sport. Right. He was, but then he, they even also, though he couldn't shoot free throws, the way oh he gosh. impacted a game and the way he got wide open three-pointers for mm-hmm. Rick Fox or Dennis Scott or whoever was standing at the three-point line was making a three-pointer because of the way he impacted the game down low. Right. So in his prime, kind of like Mike Tyson maybe, is – certain nights, the way that he could impact and go out there and perform was just like unlike anyone else. Of course. Mm-hmm. Tim Duncan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is more so excellence over a long period of time. A long period of time, yeah. So it's different, a different animal, really. And those guys are a little smaller, too. I think when we, we also have to when we talk about like prime and like how long they're in their prime and um, how effective they were in that amount of time, um, we have to also keep in mind how big those guys are. Um, and how much the game, especially playing at this high of a level um, for this many days out of a year, will wear and tear on your body with that much weight on your body. So, like, of course, someone like Sheck is not going to be able to be as productive in the long run as someone like Tim Duncan is a little more lean and not as tall, too. So you also have a prime example of um, someone like Yao Ming, who's a like freaking giant. But... Um, he was very effective, in my opinion. Right, but just not able to play very long because of all of like nagging injuries. Yao Ming is a very interesting case there. There's guys in other sports. Jim Brown comes to mind. Barry Sanders, mm-hmm. who, when they were in their prime, they were untouchable. Compared, we'll say Shaq is kind of like Barry Sanders, whereas Tim Duncan maybe is more like an Emmett Smith. He stuck around for a long, long time. time. He produced at a very high level. Was never the highlight reel player that Shaq or, or Barry Sanders was, but he produced it at such a long time, for such a long time at an excellent level that, according to the record books, he'll go down as one of the greatest. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. 502-384-1450. We're talking mostly NBA today. If you want to talk about the U.S. Open and Martin Keimer, the German winning the U.S. Open uh, today, please give us a call. We're going to head to our first break. We'll be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside the lovely Ashley Miller.
coming at you. And what are we going to talk about today, Ashley? It's probably going to be basketball. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Sounds like, uh-oh, sounds like I got muted. <laughs> Can we hear Ashley there? Can we hear? Yeah, there we are. Okay. Um, so, yes, it sounds like we're going to be talking a lot about basketball because it's about the end of basketball season, officially. You, you know, as far as world popularity goes, we should be talking about soccer. Yes. United States plays tomorrow in the World Cup, but that happens to be something that doesn't really catch my eye, being honest. Not hating on soccer. I'm not a, not a big fan. Peter, Have you ever been to a soccer match? Uh, in, I've been to high school games. You? I've been to one. When, well, well one since high school, high school. No, I went to, when I was Miss U of L, I was um, introduced at a soccer game. So I went to that, which was really awesome. I didn't really understand, like, totally the, I don't know all the rules and stuff like that. So it was kind of hard to follow. But those guys are in shape. Like, seriously. They're athletes, yeah. That's a, a great, you have to be very athletic. A statistic that I found that is indicative of our overall lack of interest. We're a good old American sports show is what we are. And we talk about football and basketball and baseball and golf. Between 1954 and 1986, keep in mind I was born in 83. Between 1954 and 1986, the United States did not qualify for the World Cup a single time. Wow. That's a long time. That is a long time. That's 32 years. Say the years again. Between 1954 and 1986, the U.S. did not qualify for the World Cup a single time. I grew up watching basketball with my dad as a very young kid. Mm -hmm. From the crib, my dad said. You know, there's pictures of me when I was a baby watching my dad play basketball. That's what I grew up around. That's why I loved it. How in the hell would my dad have been expected to be a soccer fan when it's all predicated on this big tournament they have every four years, and the United States didn't even qualify for it for 32 years. Yeah, you're right. That explains to me why, instead of talking about the World Cup tomorrow, <laughs> we're talking about the NBA Finals today. I grew up, NBA fi- NBA basketball is where it's at. Mm-hmm. For me, always has been. College basketball is up there also, no question about it. What Maybe. about baseball, since everyone likes to call it America's pastime? I love baseball. I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. Uh, through and through. Is baseball still America's pastime? I would argue that yes, it is. The NFL is becoming a close second, maybe even surpassing the MLB. Would you agree that, the, if anything, the NFL is going to surpass Major League Baseball? The NFL is an untouchable monster that gains momentum. They, they sissify the league. They make it less physical, and the ratings go up. Mm-hmm. Everything that seems to come up and have some legitimate reason to shoot down the NFL, the opposite happens, and the ratings continue to skyrocket. Do you think the NFL is the number one sport, or do you admit that the NFL is the number one sport in the country? The NFL or a- football in general? Because I think in general, if you think per con- for the country in its entirety, I think basketball is a bigger sport. Do you? Okay. 
But I think professionally, football is more frequently watched and more consistently watched because I think the MO for the NBA is that they don't play hard until the playoffs. So people Mm -hmm. generally kind of check out a little bit. And I think with the whole phenomenon we've talked about um, numerous occasions with the one and dones and the people is jumping straight from overseas or out of high school, people don't even know these guys anymore. So it's not as interesting to watch. Now, the NFL, on the other hand, you've got all these guys that have played at least three years in college. Um we're familiar with them. We know who they are. Like people, we have loyalty to teams and those types of things, um, which is, I think, a lot more ingrained in the society. Fantasy than... football is yeah, something that huge. I think has taken not just fantasy football, but gambling on the sport of pigskin or, or American football, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, has taken it to the next level. Fantasy yeah. football is huge. Yeah. Tom mm-hmm. Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Um, everybody knows where they went to college. You're right. They, mm-hmm. they, they have affiliations. You can with- follow those guys. Like versus, I mean, like obviously we talk about the NBA and that, that issue there all the time. But I think um, the NFL has that has more of that appeal to the college fan base because everyone wants to know. You're like, and they even show it all the time. Like when you're watching a game, like my name is such and such. I'm from this school, from Auburn, yep. Alabama, Louisville, or whatever. And um, I think that draws the fans in. So I think um, for just a sport, I, I still feel like basketball is the largest sport across the country. Keep but in mind, we live in Louisville. We live in Kentucky, so maybe my opinion is jaded because I think um, basketball is the official sport of Kentucky, if there is such a thing. No question about um, it. Right. But I do think um, for the prof- for professional sport world, I think the NFL, I think you're right, the NFL is gets more love. But my opinion, basketball is something that represents many great storylines. It's a little bit more intimate, or a lot more intimate than the NFL. You get to see these players up up close and personal. Um, Sometimes I think that that may be to the detriment of the league. You see these guys who who sometimes are seen as having bad rap sheets, maybe criminals. In the past, there's been eras of the NBA, I think through the 70s, my dad got to watch and tell me all about how um, many people thought the NBA was just filled with a bunch of guys who did cocaine all the time. And they, the games weren't broadcast in prime time. If you wanted to watch the NBA finals at a certain time in a certain era, you had to watch it on tape delay at 2 in the morning, something like that. So the NBA, for better or worse, you get to know these guys on a personal level. You get to see them up close and personal. And it presents a lot of great storylines. I think they're great. A lot of people um, will take shots at the NBA and and try to tear it down because of that. Because someone may have a certain image. Chris Birdman uh, looks like he just got out of prison. I like Birdman. I like Birdman too. I'd I, trade. I'd trade Chris Bosh for Birdman. In the would heartbeat. you? Tra- would you? Oh my gosh, yes. Just because I think he you get plays, both of them, but so yeah, you'd rather yeah. keep. I'd keep rather Birdman. keep Birdman on the floor. More often, just because he plays hard, he's tough. I think Chris Bosch is kind of a sissy, and um, he just bothers me. I've always like been a Chris Bosch hater. He is, and not I don't sh- think I realized. Like, I didn't pay any attention to Chris Bosch until LeBron went to Miami, and then I was like, "Who is this guy? And why is he so big? And why is he so soft?" <laughs> he's a small forward in a center's body. Yeah, he he likes to shoot he three wants to pointers. Shoot. Yeah, you don't want to post up. You don't want to get physical. Um, you miss layups. Like, I can't deal. Game <laughs> game five. Peter's laughing at me. <laughs> game five of the NBA Finals is tonight at 8 o'clock. 
The Spurs lead three to one. Three to Who one. Who would have guessed that the Spurs would be leading three to one at this point? No one. No nope. one would have guessed that besides the Spurs fans, maybe. Maybe. When asked about his chances of pulling off an unprecedented, completely unprecedented comeback, LeBron James responded with, why not us? History is broken all the time. Obviously, we know we're against the greatest of odds. No team has ever come back from a 3-1 deficit in the finals. But there was a point where no team came back from a 2-0 deficit. There was a point where no team came back from a 3-0 there was a point where no team came back from a 3-1 or 3-0 deficit in the ALCS, and then the Red Sox did it against the Yankees. So LeBron James citing uh, America's favorite pastime in baseball and saying it's possible. Mm-hmm. Ashley, you're a Heat fan. You like LeBron. He's, he's your man. He is. <laughs> Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade have been a no-show in this finals. Mm, yeah. I anticipate at least one of them will show up tonight. They have to. And that LeBron won't have to do it all by himself. Are they going to win tonight in San Antonio? Yes. Okay. Looking at ESPN.com here, it says, Luckily for the Heat, LeBron James may be just the guy to lead the Miami to a historic comeback. James is averaging the most points per game in NBA history when facing elimination. Minimum of five games. He averages 31.9 points per game. Michael Jordan coming in at a close second at 31.3. So LeBron James, I don't think anyone questions that he is still the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. He has the potential to put this team on his back, lead them to a, a, a at least a couple wins here. I think if you if you can if you're the Miami Heat and you can win tonight, that is huge because you got Game Six back in Miami. Yep. You got the momentum all of a sudden. The San Antonio Spurs did everything but just completely choke the series away last year in Game 6. They let Ray Allen hit that ridiculous shot. Mm -hmm. All credit to Ray Allen. But the Spurs have to feel like they really let one slip through their fingers. Tim Duncan before then did not know how it felt to lose in the finals. Yeah. Now he he has the taste of losing. And I think he's going to bring it tonight. The, The way the Spurs have been playing is just really different than anything than we have seen in in years. There was a a great statistic that I heard in a quote. I forget who said it, but they said, only six of the 15 players on the Spurs roster are from the United States. Wow. They said, watching them play, you would think that none of those guys had ever played a single game of AAU basketball. It's not dribble drive. They barely even dribble. They pass the ball, and mm-hmm. then they move without the ball, and they throw back screen. I mean, they they they, they just play the game the right way. I know they that do. that's cliche, they do. They do. And, and it's getting worn out, but I don't think that enough credit is being given to the Spurs team. Their system is fantastic. For just playing the game the right way. If you like no. basketball, I don't have any idea how you don't like this Spurs team. No. It's not. <laughs> Other than if you're a LeBron James Other and Miami than, Heat fan. Yes. Yes. That's where I think that's where it is. But I think even that I'm a LeBron James fan and Miami Heat fan, um, I can still acknowledge the greatness of the way that San Antonio plays the game. Like they play basketball the way it was meant to be played. They play, they run plays, um, which has always been effective in basketball, but you wonder. At what point, um, i.e. Coach Kyle, we got away from that <laughs> and just kind of let our players 
kind of do like an organized street ball type of thing. That's right? J.R. Smith, Carmelo yeah. Anthony, guys like that mm-hmm. are completely reflective of a culture within basketball that is the, the opposite. It's a double-edged sword because as much as I love the way the Spurs are playing the game right now, we talked to our man Derek Anderson in studio. We talked about the strength of the league and how it's dwindling because we don't know these guys. They did not play college basketball here. Right. So many of them are, are foreigners, people that maybe didn't even play much in, in, in college. If they did, if they are a one-and-done, maybe they went to a school where they didn't even play much and then they were drafted, a la Stephen Adams from Pitt or Anthony Bennett from UNLV. We didn't really get to know them before they took the leap to the NBA. Right. It's a, I say it's a double-edged sword because I love the way the Spurs are playing. Love it. But at the same time... Those guys don't. Those guys didn't play it in American colleges. So they many. didn't. They didn't. However, is I that think, bad for the game or is it good for the game? I still think it's it's tough. That's I. I think in the grand scheme of things, it's bad for the game because you still, like you said, we still don't know who these players are. And we're not invested in them. We don't haven't watched them play. We, it's not interesting because we're like, oh, who's this guy? Oh, he came from Europe. Okay, well, Boris Diaw, Patty Mills. Yeah. Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, all these guys. But I think the good thing about um, what the Spurs are doing with their system is that they have a system in place. Therefore, they draft players like uh, Leonard who will fit in their system. So then they get there and they're productive when obviously we may or may not know them and that we may or may not know their story, but they are productive because... They were drafted because they fit the system. So I think in that aspect, they have an advantage and they're doing something really great. But in terms of um, getting players that people are familiar with and can be invested with and those types of things, like that's still it's still kind of a touchy situation. An obstacle. It's something the NBA yeah. has to... Uh, They've got to address that at some point because otherwise you lose your fan base. It's tough because I love the sport. I love the way the Spurs are playing the game. Is it possible to... To use that type of approach without such a dominant big man such as Tim Duncan on no, your team, I don't, think so. I don't know if it is. So that may uh, may have so much to do with it. That's Tim Duncan's so great, kind of like a great offensive lineman because you don't notice him, yep. and his team wins, mm-hmm. and that's what makes him great. So if you have someone like, gosh, I don't even know who would be the next Tim Duncan. I hate to say it, maybe Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Is he going to have that type of impact on a team? Maybe. Can he? I don't know. I, I think he has the potential, but I don't know. He's a skilled big man with mm-hmm. a huge wingspan. Not much smaller physically than Tim Duncan, really. Um, I don't know. But but so much of this, I think, is can be attributed directly to the greatness that is Tim Duncan. That's my Kelly Patrick comparison for the day. Is, is Tim Duncan is the modern day, wait for it, Orlando Pace. Because of his greatness, his team excels. And you don't even realize he's out there, really. Hmm. He doesn't need to win the NBA Finals MVP. He doesn't need it. His team's playing great. We're all ranting and raving about how they pass the ball and they play so well. And we forget to realize, without Tim Duncan out there, it's no coincidence. They've been on. They've won 50 games every year that Greg Popovich has coached Tim Duncan, other than the strikeout short... The strike shortened season in 98-99. Other than that, every full season that Greg Popovich has coached Tim Duncan, they've won 50 games. 50. Wow. That's amazing. 
Did we last week talk about um, Derek Fisher's deal, or did that happen we after did it Sunday? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. The direction of the coaching, mm-hmm. the new face of what an NBA coach is. What do, What do you think of it? Is Derek Fisher? It's a guard. <laughs> it's basically a guard. It's it, Mark Jackson will get another opportunity somewhere. I'm just waiting for Andre Miller to pull up and do it next. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah. Brian Shaw's a head coach somewhere. If you're a point guard in the NBA and you're likable, it can't be. Um, who did we use last week? Jason Williams, White Chocolate, someone who's, who's mm-hmm. known for being a troublemaker. You can't be a... White Chocolate, Kelly. <laughs> that was his name, Ashley. Okay. I, lo- I loved I loved Jason Williams' game. I loved it. He was a point guard. Mm-hmm. But you have, to, you have to be a likable guy who's a point guard, and you're going to get a shot in the NBA to coach. Meanwhile, Patrick Ewing is an assistant coach somewhere still. Mm-hmm. Waiting for his chance. That's crazy, isn't it? It is crazy. Andre Miller's my next guy that I think will, will get a, a shot. The next point guard I'm, I'm projecting. I'm trying to think of who else would fit the bill. What about Ray Allen when he retires? Ray Allen, okay. But well, he's that, not a point guard. He's but. not a point guard. It's almost exclusive to the point guard position. We didn't see Reggie Miller walk into a head coaching job. Did he coach at all, or did he go straight to? No, went he straight went straight to, into TV. Good for him. Yeah. I would love that. That seems I like he's I'd having rather, a ton of fun. I'd rather not be in the pressure cooker after I stop playing basketball. Me too. No question about it. But to be an NBA coach, unless you're, you know, Dave Cowan's got a shot years ago. Um, El- who? Cassell. Cassell is mm-hmm. right. Is an assistant somewhere, right? Cassell will end up getting a, a coaching job. He's a point guard. That's how it works. Oh, gosh. I just got a tweet. Please. <laughs> from, from Brandon Lawrence. He says, Ashley, stop talking bad about my coach, UA Coach Calipari. Coach Calipari. He's the man. And he also tagged Coach Cal in this tweet, as well as the 1450 Sports Bugs and UK Athletics. So what what were you saying negative about Coach Cal? I just the, the street ball approach? The, what we were talking about earlier, yeah. Um, so sorry, Brandon, but the truth hurts. Um, the, the more and more I read into this, the more I have to give credence to just the greatness that is Tim Duncan. Yeah. They pass the ball. They do all this. They 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 set screens. Boris Diaw is all of a sudden Magic Johnson with the behind-the-back passes. And everybody on the team is so great. Manu Ginobili is the greatest six-man ever, Hall of Famer. Tony Parker's just a... Just revolutionized the point guard position, shooting such a high field goal percentage from the, the one spot. Oh, yeah. They've all got Tim Duncan as their teammate. And and I'm going to bring it all back to that and say he is the modern-day Bill Russell or Orlando Pace. 502-384-1450. How great is Tim Duncan if he wins this title and then he he comes back next year and makes another run for it? Is he foolish? Should Tim Duncan retire? How great will Tim Duncan end up being when he he hangs things up? Where will he show up on our all-time list? Will he be anything beyond... Will he be? Will he reach Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's status? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, I would argue, is the greatest basketball player ever. He won three titles in college back in an era where you could only play three years in college, mind you. Two National Players of the Year in college. Oh, yeah. Then he goes on to win six NBA titles, and he's the all-time leading rebounder and scorer in the history of the NBA. If that's not the greatest player in the history of the NBA, then I don't know what the hell is.
Tim Duncan is fresh. And that was on, also on his... in an era when the NBA was way more competitive. So I think you, when you think about stuff like that, you think about the era of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the era of Magic Johnson, and That's Magic, Michael Jordan, all of those guys. Like those, they were playing against all stars every game. Versus now, you have teams that play against teams where you don't know anybody on the team, and you've never heard of them, and maybe they're like decent basketball players, but they're not. It's not like one league with all of those greats in it at one time. So I think even like putting that in, into perspective, you you realize how great those players were. No question about it. You took a, a chapter right out of Bill Simmons' book, the Encyclopedia of Basketball, is what he so humbly wrote, titled it. And in that chapter, he talks about expansion and how he feels it has hurt the game. He considers the 1986 Boston Celtics to be the greatest team in the history of the NBA. Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Bill Walton won the sixth man of the year that year. Uh, Danny Ainge. Uh, Peter, if I'm leaving someone out, you guys somewhat. I mean, oh, Larry Bird. Um, but the, <laughs> oh, greatest Larry team Bird. Ever, the greatest <laughs> greatest team ever. Aren't you a Pacers fan? I'm a Pacers fan, yes. And I watched a very motivational video directly from Larry Bird. I felt like he was talking to me. And it was saying, you know, we had a great year. We appreciate your support. We're going to strive to be better on the coaching front from our players and every every element of, of basketball that they look to take the next step next year. But regardless, your point about the expansion and how that has diluted the product that is the NBA, very legit. Criminal Jabbar played in an era where there wasn't as many teams. Mm-hmm. The more talented guys, well, there was a stronger likelihood that they would just be drafted into the same type of teams. They wouldn't have to do what LeBron and, and D Wade and, and Chris Bosch and maybe even Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. are doing. Do you see Carmelo Anthony being a Heat next year? Uh, I actually just saw on ESPN that they have a, a poll question. That they're asking, um, will Carmelo Anthony join LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh in Miami? Uh, how many titles would they win? <laughs> um, it, it'll be interesting to see because I've also kind of gotten, I've heard people talk about Carmelo in terms of um, having a Kobe-like attitude in terms of wanting to be the star on the team. So uh, my question is, is he humble enough? to play on a team that already has stars. If he had a Kobe-like attitude on the defensive end, then yes, I think he'd be a perfect mix. He doesn't play much defense, though. He's not that big on defense, is Mm-mm. he? No. If I'm Pat Riley, I'm thinking, Maybe do I not. want is the, is the magical solution to the woes that the Heat are facing right now a gun who doesn't play defense much? From my perspective, it would be a horrible fit. They already have the small forward and wing positions filled. I don't see... I'd be much more likely to try to go get Dwight Howard. Jeez. Someone who actually... Chris Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh, yeah. Someone who would actually fill a void. Go get Chris Paul. Mm. Kevin Love. Get someone who rebounds. Get Kevin Love. Why is Kevin Love not in this conversation? Is this con- where's his contract? Is his contract out? He he is his contract. He is under contract through next year to play for the Timberwolves. Correct me if I'm wrong, Peter. However, the Timberwolves may be in a situation where they want to actually trade his expiring contract so they get something of value instead of just losing him. Right, Peter? So I mean, Kevin Love 
Double double machine. Actually, a 20 and 20 machine. Although Brandon Lawrence did bring up the point a few weeks ago that Kevin Love, not known necessarily for being the most tenacious defender, the rebounding statistics that he puts up, even the defensive rebounding statistics that he puts up, have to be impactful, especially on a team that lacks an inside presence like the Miami Heat. I don't know why Pat Riley and the Heat and LeBron and them aren't going after Kevin Love or even even go after someone like Tyson Chandler mm-hmm. over Carmelo Anthony. You need a big guy. You mm-hmm. need someone to complement the players. You need a team. You don't need a bunch of guys who play the same and like to shoot. You know, Pat Riley knows way more than I do, so speaking who am of, I? Speaking of, um, I saw a, a brief video on um, appreciating the likes of Shane Battier. So when we talk about like different types of players and players that are willing to accept a role that may not be very aesthetically beautiful and get the type of attention because they score all the points and stuff, like... Shane Battier. Last of a dying breed, maybe. Yeah. Right? And what's funny is uh, Shane Battier was my uh, like profile player when I was in college. So my, um, my coach used to, my coach in college wanted me to really like emulate my game after his. Because in college, he was the man. Shane Battier was the man in college. And um, he, was, he was strong and powerful. He could post up. He'd rebound. He could hit that short corner jump shot. Um, He kind of had like all of the intangibles as um, a forward. So it's it's interesting to see um, a player of that skill come into an NBA and kind of be be okay being a role player and be energetic as such and, you know, give to his team something which – um, the the little article was saying is more than what you see in the stat line. What do you think about that? Very good point. I'm not going to go all the way with comparing Shane Battier to one Lou Alcindor or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Mm. I'm not saying they're on the same level. No, no. However, let's look at Shane Battier's career while in college. In 2001, they won the national championship. He won the NCAA Final Four Most Outstanding Player. Mm-hmm. Consensus First Team All-American. AP College Player of the Year in 2001. From 1999 through 2001, he won the College Basketball Defensive Player of the Year Award. That's three seasons. Three seasons. seasons. Sixth overall pick by the Vancouver Grizzlies in 2001. And you're right. He then accepted a role as being a team player. He didn't have to be the center of attention. We don't see stuff like that. He specializes in taking charges. In defense. He specializes in defensive contributions. When he didn't have to. You see what I'm saying? Like, he could have easily gone into the league and said, you know what, trade me to a team where I can I can really, you know, get my numbers up and really be an offensive weapon. Because clearly, like you said, like, he clearly has the skills because he, he manifested that in the NCAA. So... Um, there's not players with that type of humility anymore. There really isn't, and I don't mean to sound like a bitter old man. I mean, I'm in August. I'll be 31. I'm not that old. I mean, you're kind of old. No, I'm, I'm kind kidding. of old. I'm kidding, but you're older than me, so I can continue. To I'm say older, that. older than you by but, about four months. Okay, so not much, but I am, and, and I don't like to sound. I've always despised. Those who say, well, back in the day, this was that, and mm-hmm. this was better, and I don't like that type of mentality. I, 
I hope to God I'm never that guy. Well, you're about to be that I'm guy right now. Guy. <laughs> I'll set myself up there. But guys like Shane Bettier, I don't think, Peter, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that there's someone out there like that anymore. No, there's Who not. Who is there? There's not. Because the guy's coming. Gorgie Jang. Other than Gorgie Jang. But Gorgie Jang is There's nobody is now... that is that selfless in the world. Gorgie Jang, Shane Battier, and Criminal Jabbar. It's a short list. But even Gorgie Jang is getting the opportunity to really put up some offensive, or was towards the end of the season, able to really get some offensive touches and score a good amount of points. So, I mean, they're definitely a short list. I feel like the guys come out of college now, if they go, anticipating being the star of the team. Even guys coming out of high school anticipate going to college and being a star. Like, they don't want to sit on the bench. They don't want to be a role player. They don't want to have to watch and learn as a freshman. And I can't blame them. That's the... That's the that's the culture of today's society. Like, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because it's killing basketball, but it is. that's the way it is. We're going to head to a break. We're, we're up against the 11 o'clock hour. As everyone knows, at 11 o'clock, we have what's called Ashley's Loco Cinco, also called Ashley's Crazy. We're going to head to a break. <laughs> we're the Weekend Sports Buzz. Be sure to stay tuned. We'll be back with more. We were talking in the last segment about some guys who are selfless players. Shane Battier embodying the selfless play. We'll get to that and more after the number one segment in the, the Louisville Southern Indiana market. Ashley's crazy. <laughs> Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon here on 1450 WXVW. It's past the 11 o'clock hour, and what that means is we have our very top segment in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market for television or radio called Ashley's Loco Cinco or Ashley's Crazy. With no further ado, Ashley's Crazy. Well, Kelly, we've got some interesting stories today. Some not as crazy, some a little interesting, uh, some sad, but here we go. Anyway, uh, Lord Stanley's Cup went home with a bunch of the NHL champion LA Kings to their favorite bar where it was immediately filled with what? What do you think, Kelly? Prostitutes. Uh, no, I'm talking about the cup. Oh, okay. <laughs> the actual Lord Stanley's Cup, what they got for winning. <sighs> Condoms. <laughs> no, try again. Um, it's a little more PG than that, but that was a good guess. $100 bills. M&M's. M&M's. <laughs> so most of the Kings uh, and the Stanley Cup arrived triumphantly at the North End Bar and Grill in Hermosa Beach. Um, and apparently there's a video who uh, where... Alec Martinez, who shot the cup-winning uh, rebound shot, 
helps fill the trophy with a bag of with bag after bag of peanut butter, plain, and of course peanut M and M's, and then grab the first handful. Um, very interesting, but it says not that the hockey players are superstitious at all. But the Kings brought the cup to the same bar. Um, hours after winning it two years ago. So that seems to be some type of tradition. Um, it's not sure who got to actually take it home first, but um, apparently they were there and left the bar around 4 a.m. And in case you're wondering, well, let me ask you this. I'm not going to tell you first. How many M&Ms do you think can fit in the Stanley Cup? 2,000. It's pretty big. No. Not that many? It says between five and 7,000 M&M's, depending on the flavor. Oh, wow. Pretty interesting. Okay. So, so we win Stanley a, Cup. A marketing thing. So everything can be traced back to money. Yes. And M&M's. Okay. <laughs> Story number two. And this starts with a question for you, Kelly. What do you think is the going rate to star in a commercial for Carl Jr.'s? The going rate for Carl Jr.'s. What's Carl Jr.'s? The burger place. It's a burger joint. We don't have one in Louisville. I don't know. I um, Where are they at? Are you familiar with Carl Jr.'s? Yes, I've seen it um, multiple places um, been traveling, but, of course, we don't have one. The going rate to star, to in, a star in a commercial. So they sign LeBron James or a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say you get paid for a 30-second commercial, $2 million. Jeez, no, not for a burger company. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking more along the lines of Super Bowl commercials. Yeah, 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 okay. not like a regular everyday commercial. All right. But <laughs> apparently, Terrell Owens um, was in a Carl Jr.'s commercial. God, and, recently? Well, just, well how down on, like, down on your luck have you oh. been if you're a burger joint and you're getting Terrell Owens... Well, and to, to rep your, your company. If I see Terrell Owens <laughs> repping anything, there's no way in hell I'm buying it. You're not that. purchasing No it. way. Well, apparently, um, burgers have been very good to Terrell Owens. Um, maybe even Five Fingers good. But apparently, um, just the other day, T.O. filed his new legal documents for his divorce with Rachel Snyder, the woman he married and quickly left um, earlier this year. And we talked about that. Often, um, but apparently Owens was required to submit a document declaring his finances over the past year. And the highlight of his financial past, I guess, over the last 365 days is a payday he got from doing a Carl Jr.'s Burgo commercial in which he was surrounded by chicks and bikinis. But uh, needless to say, according to the document, they paid him $41,799 to appear in the, in the ad. Is that too much? Is that enough? Like, what do you think? It reminds me of seeing a Vander Holyfield in a Taco Bell commercial a few years ago, and it was just really odd. I, if I were T.O., I would do that all day, of course. Oh, of course. 41000 I bet sounds about right, I guess. I, it's, he's a recognizable face, but I mean, so is Sinbad. You don't see Sinbad getting... I don't know. There has to be a point where you are no longer an asset to a company that you're advertising for, and I think T.O. is... In my opinion, past that point, I th- I'd say they overpaid for it. Hmm. I think so too. I mean, come on. Especially, clearly, this happened in the last year. I'm not sure why anybody would pay him forty thousand dollars to do anything right now. 
All right. Story number three. Story number three. I'm not sure if you've been following um, details around surrounding the death of form, of uh, Cy Young. Have you been paying attention to that at all? To the the actual Cy Young? Yeah. No, I have um, not. So apparently it's been learned that the MLB great's uh, body was discovered in an empty bathtub in his home after family members called a neighbor to check on him. So apparently TMZ somehow got their hands on the 911 call placed by Bob's friend. Um, so not not Cy Young, Cy Young winner. What was his name? I'm sorry. Wait, let me see. Cy Young died a long time ago. Let me see. Who was the baseball player who won uh, Cy Young in like 1990? I know what you're talking about. I saw it. Cy Young winner. Let's see. Yeah. News. Let me see something here. So anyhow, yeah, Bob. Yeah, uh, Bob, Bob Welch. Welch. Bob so his, Welch. So he's found dead in a bathtub. In a bathtub. Wow. So apparently, um, the call was placed by a friend of Bob's who said um, he was called to the house by family members that they that they were worried that something was wrong. So he arrived, um, and the neighbor said, he told 911 that Welch was in the bathtub, which contained no water, and he was unsure if Bob was still breathing. So, um, of course, the emergency personnel rushed to the scene, and the 57-year-old was pronounced dead. Um, the Dodgers actually had issued a statement later saying that the cause of death was a heart attack. So um, I always, like, that just, and I added the story because it sounds so suspicious, because it's like, if he how did he get in the bathtub? You gotta you gotta just do one investigation. Should be simple. Find out how much life insurance he had on him, who the beneficiary was, and then investigate from there. Yes, not to sound shady, but no. I mean no, it's, but it's, it's true. And you wonder, like you say, like he had a heart attack. How did he end up in the bathtub with no water? So it's not like he was like taking a bath, relaxing. Maybe he was, you know. Planning on taking a shower. You know, who knows? It could be legitimate, but I would certainly investigate. I, of course. 57-year-old Bob Welsh died at age, age 57. Sounds like there's suspicious uh, situations surrounding it. You got to investigate it. Right. So, story number four. Apparently, newsrooms all over the world um, are now fans of Team Mexico, which you may now become, Kelly. Um, because every time the squad scores a goal... Playboy's 2013 Playmate of the Year is celebrating by bouncing around in the little skimpy top. Um, and she's making these into videos. So Raquel Pomplon, Pomplon, I think is how you say it. She was raised in Tijuana. Um, so, of course, is a huge fan of Team Mexico. Is uh, live. She live cheers the games with Playboy and Hornitos tequila, which basically means as soon as Mexico does anything noteworthy, she records a sexy video, and post it online. So you might want to start cheering for Team Mexico. Wow, okay. I'll have to check that out. Just kind of interesting. Yeah, very interesting. <laughs> Last story, uh, Meta World Peace. Oh, God. Is on the road to achieving his ultimate goal, coaching in the NBA. And we talked about different people that may be interested in coaching the NBA. His name did not come up, but apparently... Uh, Meta recently accepted a job, are you ready for this, as an assistant coach at Palisades High School in Southern California. And uh, apparently the head coach, his name is Torino Johnson, says that Meta is dead serious about the job. In fact, uh, Johnson says that Meta called him up uh, the first time talking about working with the team years ago when Meta's daughter was playing for the team. And Johnson said he didn't think uh, Meta was serious at first, but he stayed on him and followed up with an email expressing a very real interest in wanting to work on the sidelines. So the two apparently sat down and talked this out. Johnson said he was convinced 
that uh, Meta was the real deal, and he knows so much about the game. But he said he's gunning for the pros, and he has the basketball IQ to get there. So when we talk about, we were talking about earlier. You said you were saying somebody that was on the was still an assistant coach in the NBA. Um, Andre Miller, I was projecting. Yeah, but he's starting as an assistant high school girls basketball coach. Definitely, probably a, an untraditional, untraditional route to the NBA because he's going to have to do a lot of of moving around, right, to get from from assistant coach on a high school varsity basketball team to the NBA. No question about it. Um... One thing I'll say about Ron Artest trying to venture into the, the ranks of an NBA coach. Uh, Metal World, please. I'm sorry. My bad. Metal, the artist formerly known as Ron Artest. Right. <laughs> is I bet he would have the respect of the players in the locker room. He's a very well-respected guy within NBA circles, and you is can't he? say enough about that. Yeah, as far as I know. Actually, we should ask our man Derek Anderson about that. I believe he is. Okay. I know Kobe Bryant really wanted him on his team. Hmm. He brought him into L.A. That's shocking. Kobe Bryant hardly wants anyone on his team. I know. That, that tells me he's well-respected. I may be wrong. We'll have to ask our man Derek Anderson when we talk to him next time. Sure. Um, but I, I believe that that uh, that Ron Artest is well-respected within the world of the NBA. We're going to head to the Oxmoor Ford Lincoln buzz line once again, 502-384-1450. Um, we got our man Brian the Insider on the line with us. He was at Churchill Downs yesterday. It's Stephen Foster. Um, a big event. We had the crowning of the Kentucky Derby winning horse, California Chrome. How are you doing this morning, Brian? I'm doing great, Ashley and Kelly. How are you both doing this morning? Pretty good. Happy Father's Day. Well, the big night last night. You, yeah, beautiful day and beautiful night last night. I was really impressed with the crowd at uh, Churchill. So many young people. Uh, uh, it's really good to see. Uh, it was. Uh, the theme was dressed in white, so uh, everybody really got all dolled up in their white outfits, and uh, uh, very good to see the young people support, and I don't know how many of them were actually betting. Uh, I think maybe the, the bars might have been a little busier than the betting windows, but uh, it was great to see, but a, a great night of racing, too, uh, um, and as Kelly mentioned, uh, my boy, Coburn, I'm the part owner of uh, California Chrome, um, I did not booing. But other people did take pot shots at him, and uh, he was—he's—he's he's really come—he's come a long way in the last week. Uh, he said he deserved the booze, uh, but uh, they were there. They came back to get their trophies, and I thought Churchill Downs handled it all very professionally and uh, welcomed them back and gave them a lot of nice uh, comments and, uh, and a beautiful gold trophy. Brian, I'll ask, what made you change your tune last week when we spoke with you? You said you were going to lead the chorus of boos, but now you're saying you backed off that statement. And you didn't even boo Coburn yesterday. What what changed your mind? Well, last Sunday when we had spoken, uh, he had uh, doubled down on his comments Saturday or Sunday morning on the talk shows, and uh, he had showed no remorse. Monday morning, uh, he came back out on the talk shows and said uh, he did a complete 180 and apologized. And uh, you know, I got to respect uh, his apology, and uh, he, he completely changed. He was on. Uh, uh, he was Good Morning America with his wife. Now, she might have pulled him in by his ear and made him apologize. But uh, nonetheless, he did apologize, and I accepted that apology to the racing community. And, uh, you know, you hate to – I think the guy just really kind of lost his composure. But, uh, 
he came back. He came and apologized, and he was very humble yesterday at Churchill Downs. And uh, he is the Kentucky Derby winning owner, and uh, that's a great feat. And congratulations to him. No question about it. Once again, we're joined by our man Brian, the Insider. This Father's Day, uh, Happy Father's Day to you, Brian. I appreciate that, Kelly. Thank you. Happy Father's Day. You know, I'm actually reviewing you, a, reviewing a list, Brian. I know you're of a, a just a little different era than I am, <laughs> Kelly. <laughs> and this list, I find it to be very entertaining. It's of the athletes who have fathered the the most children. By the most different women. Evander Holyfield comes in at number five. Ele- Eleven children from eight, oh my God. eight different women. Okay. Um, but the one guy wow. who takes the cake in this list, Brian, I think you're probably familiar with him. I'm not. Number one on the list, Calvin Murphy actually fathered 14 children from nine different women. He played in the NBA from 1970 through 1983. Do you remember Calvin Murphy? Oh, I sure do. He was a great player, small. I think only five nine point guard, extremely talented uh, point guard. Played for me, I don't know, probably fifteen, eighteen years in the NBA. I, I think he went to Maryland. I'm not sure, but yeah, I remember him very well. I don't remember uh, him being such a uh, prolific uh, lover, but uh, <laughs> he. Uh, <laughs> but that is quite a number. I mean, that is very similar to some of the numbers. Our great player, Will Chamberlain, put up. I'll never forget that uh, documentary he put out, the autobiography, where he said that uh, he had uh, been with over 10,000 women. I remember reading that in grade school, and we sure got our calculators out and equated that to a daily uh, activity, and that was uh, very impressive. Um, went with his nickname on the basketball court, the Big Dipper. Of course, we had some different variations of that, but that was, uh, that was a remarkable numbers that he put in. But, uh, hey, I wanted to comment a little bit on the, uh, another thing I was pretty, uh, pretty adamant about last week was I did not, and I was wrong, I did not think the Heat could beat San Antonio at San Antonio, and they proved me wrong there, so I stand corrected. But, man, I tell you what, the Spurs have really turned it up a, no- a notch, and uh, as I thought, they are, in my opinion, a far superior team. Uh, to the Heat, and, and to hear this talk about the Heat bringing in Carmella, I could, I agree with you 100%, Kelly. I think that's a bad move. I'd like to see the Heat try to build the program the way the Spurs and a lot of teams have done. I mean, it's one thing to get free agents, you know, in the prime or, or some cases pass their prime onto your team, but what happened to building it through the draft and get, trying to get some young guys, uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard? I mean, some of these guys, they didn't draft him. They got him in a, a, a trade from the Pacers. But, boy, the, the Heat, they're, they're putting bandages on bandages, and uh, their bench is very weak. And, uh, uh, you know, I know the Nets tried to do that this year by bringing in, you know, the Garnett and those guys, and it didn't work. But uh, I just don't see Carmelo uh, helping. You know, the thing you got to remember in basketball is there is only one basketball. And when you get... When you get Carmelo in there, he's the black hole of all black holes. I mean, I think LeBron and the rest of the guys will be very surprised to find out that they just—they're just standing around looking at each other while he's doing fadeaway threes. Uh, so, and he does not play defense. So, I, I think that's a, a a bad decision by the Heat if they do pursue him. Brian, do you think you 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 said he was the black hole of all black holes? So, do you think Carmelo is more of a black hole than somebody like Russell Westbrook? I do, yeah. Uh, 
Russell Westbrook, though, you know, he he he, he can afford to be because he's a point. You know, he's out there and he has the ball. Uh, so he does seem to, he does seem to pass it. I like Russell Westbrook. It just seems to me, I watch a lot of NBA that when Carmelo gets the ball on the block, I mean, it is just pretty much, if you want, if you're on, if you're on the Knicks or whatever team he's on, you better start going in and elbowing for a rebound because you will, will not see the ball. He is going to find a way to get a shot up. And, uh, I mean, he has had some unbelievable attempt efforts this past year. I've, I've read, yeah, the one game he, he did score, I think, 60 this year. I, I think it was probably close to 60 shots. I mean, he he's one of the, the you know, and he's a great talent. He's a, a legitimate 6'9". He can play defense. He can rebound. He just doesn't seem to want to all the time. I just I just don't think uh, I don't think he would fit in on the Heat. And I also think that uh, I don't think it's very realistic that he signs with the Heat with the cap room that they would have to make. And those three guys are going to have to give up uh, money to getting, he's going to have to give up money to go there, and I just think uh, I don't think it'll happen, and I think that he would be much better off looking elsewhere. Brian, I'll ask what we were discussing earlier: if the Spurs win today or close it out in Game Six or Seven, and they go ahead and win, what would be Tim Duncan's third? I'm sorry, fifth NBA title. He would join rare territory. John Sally being the only other guy to have won a, a title in three different decades. I find that statistic to be very interesting. But my question to you, Brian, is should Tim Duncan then hang it up? Should he call it a career and say, I've got my five. I don't want to risk injury. I, I'm a Hall of Famer for sure. I'm going to go down as an all-time great. Um, it's time for, for me to step aside. Or should Tim Duncan come back and, and try to maybe chase another ring next year? I think it all depends on Tim Duncan. I mean, how he feels. I, you know, I, I've heard that you know he doesn't have much cartilage in his knees, and uh, maybe that's why he doesn't bend him at all when he shoots his foul shots. But uh, I tell you, if he can come, come back and play at the level he's playing, I, I I suspect he will come back. Pop has done a fantastic job in 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 limiting his minutes during the regular season. You remember they were routinely criticized, and I think fine by the league for sitting these guys out late in the season, even though they ended up with the NBA's best overall record. He gave them a lot of rest. He really manages their minutes. Now, he has the luxury of doing that with the deep bench they have. Uh, but I think if he can if he can come back and perform at the level he's at now, he, I'm telling you, he is thoroughly dominating the heat inside. Of course, you know, going back to the heat situation, I, I agree with your earlier comments, Kelly, that they need some big – I mean, you cannot – LeBron is fantastic and the best player in the game, but you can't really think you're going to win with Birdman as your center, uh, you know, and running these guys in and out, Haslam. And, you know, I, I agree with Ashley, Bat- Shane Battier is great, great guy. He has, I don't know if you guys seen, he has signed to be a broadcaster with ESPN next year, so he's definitely retiring. But uh, I just think that they need to spend some time inside. But, yes, I'd love to see Duncan come back. And with the team he has around him, I'm sure that's going to influence his decision because I, I see them winning. I, I don't know why with the blend of young talent they have in there, I think they can get two or three more. They were very close to getting it last year. They look like they're going to get it this year. And uh, I would say they'd have to be the odds on favorite next year if, if, if Pop's already said he's coming back. And if Duncan comes back, I would say they're the odds on favorite to repeat next year if they can go ahead and close it out this year. Brian, when talking about a selfless player like Shane Battier, we used Gorgie Jang as an example of maybe someone to carry that type of torch forward. 
in a league that is deprived of selfless guys like Shane Battier or even like Tim Duncan or so many of these Spurs players, who's someone who's not a Spurs player that you see as that type of guy who maybe specializes in taking charges and, and, and just being a good team player? That's a great question, and, and I agree 100%. It's a dying breed. Uh, you know, Derek Fisher, who's now the coach of the Knicks, I think he, uh, that's kind of how he carved his niche. Uh, and he was a, you know, he, he'd come in and do whatever they, they wanted to. I thought there was a real telling sign, yes, uh, last, uh, NBA game, uh, when Ginobili got off the bench to go into the game and Pop then decided he didn't want him in the game and sent him back. And the commentators commented on the fact Ginobili just went to the bench and sat down. He didn't frown. He didn't try to show up his coach. He didn't show in. And this is a, you know, a big time player. Ginobili is a great player. Uh, that kind of buy-in is how you win championships. And too often we all see the exact opposite where it's me first, the team second. And, uh, we see those players, you know, even though they have great talent, they don't last long in the league. So it's a dying breed. But I, I the first guy I come to think of is Derek Fisher. I think he's a, a great, uh, role player. He came in played his roles, and uh, I think he might even have been able to come back last year, but of course he got the big uh, mixed job, and that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. But uh, Well, he's um, retired too, so, guys so like the, the, those, two, those two are done, so I guess we're <laughs> we're out of them, I guess. I, yeah. I'd say Kawhi Leonard fits the bill very well. Yeah, he's a great example. You're right. You know, we all, I think, appreciate the the no facial expressions. I mean, you know, starting with about magic and, and in that era where people got fouls and they just, you know, put in the acting. I've been watching a lot of World Cup, and my goodness, when these guys get hit, they act like they've been shot. They fall down. I mean, some of these guys could be actors, and they could be on uh, Argentinian soap operas. I mean, these the drama that you see in the World Cup is only paralleled with some of the drama we now see in the NBA, but it's refreshing to see a guy like Leonard that if he gets this call, put your hand up and move on. We don't need to see all these facial expressions, and that's a real negative, and that's an energy drain, uh, but unfortunately, that is not the norm. Brian, we appreciate your update on the Stephen Foster from yesterday and all things regarding the NBA and the NBA Finals. Thank you very much, Brian. Have a great rest of your weekend, and happy Father's Day. Thank you very much, guys. Keep up the good work on the show. I love listening. Thank you. Good stuff there from our man Brian, the insider. As talk, always. Talking all things. He, I, I'll tell you this about Brian. He loves talking NBA. Yeah. Who doesn't? I, I know here on the Weekend Sports Buzz Sunday edition, we sure do. Um, that's a, something that doesn't seem to get old for us. We're actually going to head to a break here. We got plenty of great action. And maybe even more of this list of, of the, the greatest... Athletes to father the most children. Yeah, I need to hear about that. The, I didn't know that was a real thing. But okay. It's a real list. Sean Kemp's on there. Some surprising people are on the list. We'll get to it and more with the Weekend Sports Buzz. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside the lovely Ashley Miller coming at you for a Father's Day edition of our weekly talk about all things in the world of sports. Today's show has revolved for the most part around tonight's Game 5. Very much anticipated Game 5 of the NBA Finals as the Miami Heat go to San Antonio and attempt to keep their season alive. LeBron James has to feel the weight of the world on his shoulders today as neither Chris Bosh or Dwayne Wade have really shown up at all during this NBA Finals series. I know you're not the biggest Chris Bosh fan, Ashley. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> so are you predicting a big game from Dwayne Wade tonight? Well, you know what? I think um, Chris Bosh has the potential to step up and play big. But I, I would more so anticipate a big game from Dwayne Wade than him. Okay. Interesting. Ray, maybe Ray Allen comes through with six or seven three-pointers. Oh, sure, sure. That's certainly something that... that um, he has a, a record of doing is showing up big time, especially in you know game six last year when he, he hit the three-pointer to keep the Heat's season alive and they went on to win their second consecutive title. This list that I'm looking over is from last year. It's called the Athletes with the Most Children by the Most Women. I think it's a, a good time to look over it here on Father's Day. <laughs> the modern player, Royce White, in the NBA now. Um actually has not played any minutes despite being on the roster for the Rockets. Has five five children from five different women. That's impressive. Larry Johnson, five I'm sorry, five different children from four different women. So grand grandmama as of the time of this list with with uh five children. The next is number eighteen on the list, Scott Skiles, who is a very interesting looking, not your typical NBA player. But he did have success at the point as a point guard in the NBA. Actually, set the all-time record for most assists in a game. I believe he had twenty-four assists in a game. Apparently, has had great success with the ladies. Uh, apparently, quite the ladies' man. Six children from an unknown number of, of uh, mothers. Marshall Falk, six children from three different women. So that's number seventeen. I can just run down this whole list. I. I don't know who came up with this list or where these statistics are kept, but it's interesting. Ray Lewis, six children, four different women. Uh, we got Benny Blades. I remember he was an um, NFL player for many years, very successful, at least stayed on a roster for many years. Six children from six different women. Charles Rogers, who is just one of the biggest busts out of the Detroit Lions wide-receiving uh, just run of horrible draft picks that they took. Seven children from an unknown number of, of uh, as it says here, baby mamas. Seven children for Derek Thomas, the late great Derek Thomas, from five different women. Kenny Anderson, seven children from five women. That's number um, 12. Sean Kemp, who gets a lot of credit for being the king of the list, actually comes in at number 11 hmm. with seven children from six different women. Mike Tyson, not surprisingly, eight children from an unknown number of women. Vladimir Guerrero, eight children from five different women. Muhammad Ali is number eight. Nine children from five different women. It's a lot of kids for Muhammad Ali. 
Willie Anderson's nine kids, seven different women. Jason Caffey, he was actually a part of the Bulls' second three-peat. Ten children from eight different women. This is where the list gets really exciting. <laughs> exciting. <laughs> exciting. Okay, well, Eva- continue. Ev- Evander Holyfield, 11 children, eight different women. Wow. Travis Henry, the running back at Tennessee, the Volunteers, before playing in the NFL. 11 children from 10 different women. Happy mm-hmm. Father's Day. Happy. Antonio Cromartie, 12 children, 9 different women. Some guy named Garincha. It looks like he must have been a soccer player. Okay. Uh, 14 children from an, an unknown number of women. And then number one, Calvin Murphy. As Brian the Insider said, he watched him play a 5'9 point guard in the NBA for 13 years. 14 children from nine different women. So happy Father's Day to everybody out there here on the, the Weekend Sports Buzz. We want to thank Brandon J. Lawrence for allowing us to be on the air each week. Uh, Brandon is the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. 502-587-0041 to reach Brandon for all your personal injury attorney needs. Looking forward to the Game 5 of the NBA Finals tonight. So if my theory on the NBA Finals is correct, and that theory being that um, the NBA likes to drag these things out to at least six or seven games for the sake of TV and financial reasons. We see the Miami win, the Miami Heat win today nope. and next week. No question or, or about not it. not next week, but next game. Next game. And we see a game seven back in San Antonio, which would be huge. If that happens, That's huge. I, I might switch back to saying I think the Heat are favored. Yeah, I mean, if the Heat win this game, they're going home. So you would like to think they'd win that one, but obviously the last couple games have proven us otherwise. But I don't know. I don't know. I think if they pull this one off today, we're looking at game seven. This is a huge game because if we pull, if, if the Heat pull the game off today. You can say we. We. We'll, we'll take you. Am on, I a Miami Heat We'll take fan? you on the Miami Heat side. But. If they win today, then they go back for Game 6 in South Beach. And say what you want about the South Beach fan base, Miami Heat's fan base, very heavily criticized in recent years, even booed the Heat last game, which I think is disgraceful. But they like to party. Almost similar to Louisville fans. Probably when it, it's a, a little big, bit higher. Um, higher level of partying. Higher level of partying. I would say that. South Beach. Yeah, a little bit higher <laughs> level of partying. Nonetheless... Uh, they like to party, and for a big game, I do think they'll get very rowdy, and I think in a Game 6 atmosphere in Miami, that the Miami Heat would be heavily favored. They would have the momentum. It's safe to say, tonight's game at 8 o'clock on ABC is huge for the direction of this series. Okay. Obviously, the Spurs could win. They've dominated the past two games. Um, I watched the Game 3, and I saw the Spurs put up 41 points in the first quarter. Just a, a shooting display like I'd never seen before. What, Ashley, what has happened with the Miami Heat and their defense as of late? Why are they allowing the Spurs team to do whatever the hell they want offensively? I don't know. I, I feel it's so hard to watch them right now. They seem so out of sync. Um. They seem like they're struggling in this series. And, you know, it's a lot. A lot of times you, you can wonder, like, a bunch of different things. Is it because 
for the past three seasons, they've played until this deep in the summer, and they've gotten no breaks, and they're just kind of all falling apart because they're tired. They're mentally exhausted. They look mentally tired. It's not even, it doesn't even to me look physical anymore. It looks like they're making a lot of mental mistakes out there, especially on defense, people losing their players and allowing open shots and uh, those types of things, which is frustrating to watch. But you can also kind of be like, well, maybe these guys are, they're tired. What, uh, but that's no excuse because this is NBA Finals. And um, I also, like, I think we talked about uh, last Sunday when we talked about the whole um, air conditioning going out thing and, um, how much that could affect the later, the latter games and the subsequent games um, with the travel and all that type of stuff. Like, I could that be playing a role? I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe so. But um, I feel like it, there's there's just a lot of mental errors happening with the Miami Heat. And um, to me, the only thing I can chalk that up to is fatigue. Yeah, they they didn't do the San Antonio Spurs approach to resting some of their stars through the season, almost uh, at certain times to where the the team would even be fined. They didn't care. They knew the value of resting their players. Miami Heat over the past, let's see, this is their fourth consecutive NBA Finals. Yeah, so... So think about how many minutes Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, how many minutes have they played over the last four years? A lot. They are clearly exhausted. And I don't know why... If the Heat lose, what's inevitable is the changes that will happen to this Heat roster. Mm -hmm. After watching Game 3, where they allowed 41 points in the first quarter, I have no idea why in the hell there are even rumors that the Heat are looking to bring in the defense-less Carmelo Anthony. Makes absolutely no sense to me. None at all. Especially after, like you said, watching them the series. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. Makes no sense. They need somebody who's going to come in and play defense and and be a teammate. So what you're telling me is they're going to lose Shane Battier, who's voted as the best teammate of the year, mm-hmm. and they're going to bring in Carmelo Anthony. And I don't mean to be a complete Carmelo Anthony hater. I do see a, a certain scenario where he could be on a team where they went to an NBA Finals and they, they were great, and they win a, a title even. But it's not when you have Dwayne Wade and LeBron James on your team. Right. There's there's a limited amount of shots. Brian said there there's only one ball. I mean, LeBron specializes in at least getting assists and being a a, a creator. Carmelo Anthony to the Miami Heat, from my perspective, would be just simply a, a, a horrible matchup. We're actually going to head to our last break mm-hmm. of the show. Five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty is the call in line. 8 o'clock tonight on ABC, we got Game 5 of the NBA Finals. Ashley's going for her Miami Heat. She's predicting a win tonight. Not only because they have LeBron James, the MVP, but because of the widespread belief, and I don't disagree with it, that the NBA likes it when series go to seven games. Or at least six. you got to sell those tickets. you got to get the TV revenue. So be sure to stay tuned for more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz. I'm Kelly Patrick, coming at you as we do every Sunday from 10 until noon, talking all things in the world of sports. The Weekend Sports Buzz is brought to you by Brandon J. Lawrence, personal injury attorney. Call 502-587-9000. 
0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. What we're talking about today is the NBA Finals, almost exclusively. We had a conversation earlier about the, the fact that tomorrow the United States does play in the World Cup, and, and we feel that we should be talking about that. But just being honest, we're a, uh, an American sports show, and soccer's not our forte. We're going to head to the buzz line now. we got our man Brandon on the line with us. How you doing this morning, Brandon? What's up, Kelly, man? Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Brandon. Good Thank you morning. very much. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. Hey, I want to wish a happy Father's Day to uh, Steve Garvey, Scott Skiles, and Larry Bird, too. No, Larry Bird does surprisingly have some uh, illegitimate children, and that's something that (laughs) many people don't know about. I mean, is it surprising to you, really? That's not surprising, Kelly. Just his his physical appearance, he doesn't strike me as a ladies' man, just being honest. Really, Kelly? Hey, Kelly, man, Chris Rock said it. You're only as faithful as your options, man. (laughs) All right. <laughs> hey, but look, how, how can you not talk about how can you not talk about the World Cup? Um, um, I mean, Mario Balotelli had a great day for Italy yesterday. Um, it, it was a classic Italy against uh, Italy against England. Uh, Yaya Torre, uh, Drogba had a great day for the Ivory Coast when they beat the bricks off the Japanese. Uh, and a hey, shout out to Miss Nevada from Miss USA too. Oh yeah, you think she's going Miss Universe? And ca- no, nah, she doesn't have a chance. Hey, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, America, America, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't, besides, I actually not included, but America doesn't produce the greatest look of women, man. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, just, it's more women internationally, I think, that are more beautiful. But, I mean, you know, it's just my opinion. Hey, but how, how can you, how, hey, Kelly, I want to go back to two things you said earlier. All right. First, you missed, you missed Dennis Johnson and uh, Rick Carlisle off that 86. Boston Celtics team. Okay. And then also, how could you not, how could, how could Bill Simmons even fix his mouth to say, I know he's a homer, but how could he fix his mouth to say that the 86 Celtics were the greatest NBA team when they didn't even go, when the Bulls, the 80, the 95 Bulls won 72 games? Fair, fair question. I, I guess the argument that Ashley brought up of expansion and the expansion that happened, but I think between '86 and '96, that the NBA did add the Grizzly, Grizzlies and Raptors, I believe. So, I, I, not that extreme of expansion through those ten years, um, but yeah. but I, I, maybe that would be the argument against it. I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know, man. But I got the Spurs in seven, man. Like I said, I agree with everything you guys said. I think the NBA won seven games. It's good for business. And um, I think I think it's the Spurs in seven. Brandon, let me ask you. We're talking about selfless players. We we talked about Shane Battier, guys like that over the years. I would put Tim Duncan in that category also of someone who doesn't have to have the focus on him and 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 his team right. wins, and it's in large part because of him being a great teammate. Who else of the modern day National Basketball Association? Deserves to be mentioned on that type of list. Like modern modern day today, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think LeBron James is a selfless player. Yeah, I think that you know people get on him. People get on him about sharing the basketball things. He doesn't have to have the ball 
to make a to make an impact. And I think he trusts his players, maybe maybe to a fault, but he trusts his players. I don't think he shies away from the moment. You know, and he, he can still. But I mean, you know, you got to be realistic, man. All these things are stat driven. People know these stats. If you get a certain amount of hits, you're in the Hall of Fame. If you get a certain amount of points, you're in the Hall of Fame. So that a lot of that stuff has to do with stats. Not necessarily people being players being selfish, but they're trying to get their numbers and 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 get their incentives in the contracts and things like that. Is Shane Battier is he a dying breed of player? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, because, you know, I mean, you got to look at the flip side. If Shane Battier wasn't on a um, a championship team, a championship caliber team, you wouldn't really be saying, oh, he's the best. You'd be like, okay, he's a, he's a good role player. You know? He only gets the highlight because he's on a championship team with uh, LeBron James and, 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 and uh, Ray Allen and Udonis Haslam and uh, Dwayne Wade, you know? Fair point. Yeah, definitely. If you're Tim, if you're Tim Duncan and you win the finals this year, Brandon, do you retire? Uh, probably not, because he just went through a divorce, so he got to get his <laughs> money up. Oh, <laughs> he did. You're right. That's a good point. I'm, it's realistic, man. <laughs> we can sugarcoat it, talk it theoretically, and all this sort of, sort of things, but. And a lot of times, that matters. That's his best potential to earn money. He's not going to be getting uh, commercial for Gold Bond like Shaq. And he's not that type of a big personality as Charles Barkley or something like that. So if he wants to make money, that's probably his best bet. You're right. Unless he's going to go back to the Virgin Islands and be the prime minister or something like that, you know. Which he probably could do. <laughs> nope. He probably could. But no, no money, no honey. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, well, nah, man. Hey, man, I'm about hey, it was great talking with you guys, man. I got to go ahead for this Father's Day celebration. So, uh, hey, happy Father's Day to everybody, man. Kelly, your dad, Ashley's dad, everybody, man. Um, peace and blessings, y'all. Good stuff there from our man Brandon J. Lawrence. We want to thank Brandon for for calling in today. He allows us to be on the air every Saturday from 9 to 11 and Sunday from 10 till noon. Give him a call, 502-587-0041 to reach the best personal injury attorney in the city of Louisville. Ashley, Mm -hmm. parting, you know, we've got just a minute left in the show. Before we take off, what what, what kind of words do you have as motivation for your Miami Heat? Get it done. (laughs) That's it. That's you, all I you, have. you predict a big a big game from Chris Bosch is what I heard earlier. That's not what you heard. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Wade, maybe Ray Allen. But if Chris Bosch does have a big game, please know that means it's trouble for the Spurs. Fair enough. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We'll be back next Sunday from ten until noon with the weekend sports buzz.